0: yay you finished your book let's go out and celebrate okay sure thing good because i was getting to be a little concerned concerned about what you know there's an epidemic of loneliness going on (laughs) well i don't have it but you know you probably need to talk about it on your podcast okay i will Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, your practical priestess of wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me on the flip as we talk about that epidemic of lack, loss, and loneliness. And yeah, I promise I'll keep it light and give you a lot of wisdom. I'll see you on the flip. The conversation that I had was with a friend who was congratulating mom congratulating me on uh, recently completing another book. And uh, I was thankful that uh, she (laughs) understood what it takes for me to write. I am not a person where I can go and sit um, around a lot of people and derive energy from them. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about that today. But um, she was also right um, about new reports that talk about the state of a lot of people's emotional and mental health when it comes to their sense of belonging and feeling a part of things. And so I'm promising that I'm going to keep this as light as possible, but I do want to take care of a few things uh, before so that we'll we'll all have an understanding of the scope of what I'm going to cover as well as uh, some understandings. Okay, So let's just go on and get into it, okay? All right, so when we talk about this lack, loss, and loneliness epidemic, uh, we're talking about a sense of isolation. And when you feel isolated, you feel cut off from something. And also, isolation has an impending doom to it. Isolation uh, usually denotes extinction or death. Okay, so now that we have to, we have an understanding of that. Let's delve into this. Okay, so what I'm going to do first is I'm going to talk a little bit about what possibly led up to this, and then we'll we'll talk about some core things uh, that are present when this happens, and then we'll 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 end up with some wisdoms. If that's okay with you guys, please stick with me. Okay, all right. So since the 90s, uh, we have been advancing our understanding of and our relationship to uh, the internet and being online and very digital, you know? And so we moved from the first thing people having to try to conquer is how to send an email instead of a letter. And you guys, I'm gonna tell you, one of my favorite guilty pleasures is a movie called The Fifth Element with Bruce Willis in it. Yeah, don't judge me. And um, I was watching it the other day And I remember now this is supposed to be 300 years in the future. It was done in 1997 and it's supposed to be 300 years in the future. And um, they still send mail in the, in in little tubes in this movie. And I was cracking up. I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Uh, And it got me to thinking how even in the future, people were still thinking about tangibleness substance something that you could hold in your hand as a way to communicate even though in this world it's a whole bunch of different worlds that have been discovered and that have come together uh in a government uh, if you will um the person who plays the president uh tiny lister junior he's funny if debo if you don't if you don't know what I'm talking about just go and watch friday with ice cube in it so anyway um He's the president and he talks about having to care for his 200 billion citizens. I'm like, wow, that's a lot. But going back to just something as simple as a little piece of paper as a way to send a communication to someone was just amazing to me. And like I said before, trust me, stick with me. It'll make sense in a minute. All right. So in the 90s, we were trying to move from uh, letting go of paper and communication to making it digital. In the uh, the 2000s, we were concerned about the Mayan calendar and and the world ending. Oh, by the way, Y2K was prevalent uh, in the uh, the 1990s as well. Everybody thought that it was going to be doomsday when the clock turned to 2000 because most of the technology had not made any kind of uh, allowance for that. So you had that anxiety. The next one is you had the Mayan calendar anxiety. And then we move into the 2010s, and then it becomes the social media aspect of it. So you've got a lot of unresolved anxieties. If you are 30 or over, you definitely understand what I'm talking about. And if you're 30 and under, this is the only life you've ever known. So both sides have some issues that uh, they're dealing with, okay? So now that I've got that little history out the way, let's talk about this whole thing of isolation and We are beings where we are made to do and to make things because we are creative. Uh, At this time, as we understand it, we're the only species who are able to say something intelligent and it turns into something. You know, if you say to a person who is serving you at a table and you go to the restaurant and you say, yes, I'll have the grilled cheese and tomato soup. That's all you have to say. And then in a short time, well, hopefully a short time later, it's going to materialize when they bring it to you. And it is because that's the creative power we have with our commands, our, our, our questions and all this, ty- all this kind of stuff. And we do best when we make and do stuff. But a lot of times when we do stuff on the internet, as we understand it now, it does not have a make and feel to it there seems to be no substance and some of the articles and things that i've read you know trying to get a better understanding of this so that wisdom could could work with me on on this is that part of the issue of isolation is when you have nothing to show for all your efforts there have been a lot of people who have been doing a lot on the internet and a like is just a like and it's really only something to keep you doing what you need to do to continue just to get those likes. So it's very temporary. And, you know, because think about it when's the last time that you had a post that you did on social media, if you've done one and it got a lot of likes, and you wake up each day and you say, Yeah, I remember that post from three years ago. Boy, I'm still living off of that juice. No, you're not. In three years, you've probably posted other things and gotten other likes and now they have faded into the past as well. And so with that, that all builds up into this compounding issue that we have of these three L's that have come out of a um, a faster growing isolation. Now I'm not here to blame everything on the internet. I am not. But what I will say is because we live in a different World now, we are having to find new answers to fulfill those old and ancient needs that we have. We have always needed to be in a community. We have always needed to do something that makes something. Uh, if not, we we don't have legacy. We don't have memory. We 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 don't feel like what we were put here to do has. Uh, been made manifest. And when you take all of that away for fleeting likes and mentions, and you're only as good as your last uh, performance on something digitally when you talk about social, it can compound things so much so that there is an article that came out that talked about being sad online. And yeah, I know we just came out of a hot girl summer. <laughs> I don't want to date this too much, but that was what was going on for the summer. And even there are jokes about it becoming a Christian girl autumn. Uh, still, underlying all that, it was a sad online summer as well. And they were talking about how Whereas people used to, as, as the kids like to say it, stunt and floss, meaning they were showing all the good, it's now becoming trendy and popular to show how sad you are online, how alone you are. Anxiety and depression have become trendy. And for those people who actually do have this, this is not to make light of it because your pain and your experience is very real. And I even talked about in another podcast when it hurts to feel. Talk, I gave uh, a shout out to a lot of our undiagnosed brothers and sisters out there who suffer from borderline um, disorder. And that is a condition where it hurts literally to feel your emotions and a lot. And it is the highest. Um, uh, it is the highest. Uh, uh, mental uh issue that goes undiagnosed as well as has the highest amount of suicide rates. You know what do you do when your world uh is excruciating because you feel everything and it doesn't feel good. It's too much. Okay. So uh, this is not about uh the the extremeness of uh borderline personality disorder. If you want to check that out go and check out the podcast I did on when it hurts to feel and I actually have some uh, Stuff in the show notes uh, about it. And I I even take you through a diagnostic scale to see where somebody might be on that. But getting back to this LLL, this lack, loss, and loneliness epidemic that is taking over a lot of people who don't necessarily have those mental um, uh, issues to deal with, I want to talk about this isolation. And I gave you a little history. So now let's move into some of the things that we can have or work on to help deal with this isolation. Okay, so the first thing uh, that I want to talk about with regards to overcoming or even conquering a sense of lack, loss, and isolation is to evaluate how you are. Now, I've talked about locus of control in some other podcasts, and that looks at how you interact with the world. And there are two main ways. If you have an internal locus of control, that means that you are a person who believes that destiny is up to you and that you grab it by the reins and you make it do what it does you push forward and it's all about you yesterday i talked to i made mention of a book uh in the podcast by grant cardone called the 10x rule and this is a grand example of a lo- of an internal locus of control where it talks about how you take the actions to make the world that you want and he even goes on to say that anything that happens to you is ultimately your fault in that you need to just step it up. 10x it. Do more of it, okay? And like I said, I like the book and I I support I support what he's doing. I just want to make sure that people understand that we can't paint in broad strokes categorically because if that was the case, we would all be homogeneous. We would all look alike, sound alike, be the same height, and just look like a sea of sameness. But because we are not, there are also other sides too. And that brings me to the locus of control that is external. And that means pushing out. That means that you believe that in some circumstances that destiny is at play and that there are some things that happen Outside of your control, you know, uh, we can put that into how we explain uh, acts of nature uh, coming in and devastating a place uh, where they didn't know it was coming, uh, atrocities on on little babies and children, uh, illnesses that strike. Uh, and 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 we can't figure out what the person did to to warrant something like that. And so that's an external locus of control. So, uh you, we have that. And so now out of those, we also have this thing that deals with uh the temperature of blood, okay? And it's it's not uh this one is kind of like colloquial. This is kind of like a quick and easy way to help someone to understand um, their amount of introvert or extrovertedness. And when I talk about introvertedness, I'm talking about a person who doesn't necessarily like or need to be around a lot of people and who does not derive their energy from people. Uh Instead, they feel drained when they are around people for a, a sustained amount of time. That one is going to actually be a person who is classified as classified, Lord, classified as hot blooded. And that means that you derive your energy from when you have solitary time and you get a, ch- a chance to replenish by being either alone or in nature or where there is not a lot of other people interaction. So that would be a hot-blooded person. And then the cold-blooded pl- person is going to be the extrovert. This is going to be the person who loves to be around or needs to be around people because their energy is generated when they interact with folks, when they are are, are uh, either doing something for people or doing stuff with people. Uh, they love the crowd. They They get hyped from it they can keep going as long as they are around a crowd that's giving them good vibes and good love and so that would be classified as a cold-blooded person now cold-blooded don't don't get it wrong this is not uh something to bash and it just is what it is as a way to quickly help people to understand that so if you see yourself in in either one of those or where you could be either one depending on what you you know what situation you're in you might be an ambivert you know it, it, it uh it can vary But using that, that can help you to understand how you are wired to interact with people. I want you to keep that in mind because we're going to talk about a few other things before our time is up. All right. So depending on if you are a cold-blooded or hot-blooded person and how your locus of control is, okay, whether you're internal, which is I make my own destiny or external uh, destiny Happens to us, okay. We're going to take that and we're going to look at this next thing, and to conquer or overcome uh, lack, loss, and loneliness in your own life, taking what you know, there are two things that we want to look at, and that is how do you create substance in your life, and what do you do for sustainability? Okay, let's deal with substance first. So substance is that tangible thing, or It is that thing or things that help you to create identity about yourself. And so substance, if you're trying to have something of tangibleness, goes into that creative part of us where we make something. I make books, you know, so that's my doer maker. And I'm very grateful that I make books. And thank you, by the way, I haven't said this before. Thank you for everyone who's been checking the show notes and buying my books. Oh my gosh, I am so stoked. Thank you. I love you. Thank you for doing that. I didn't even realize it was happening until I was able to track it. Thank you guys. I have been appreciating that. Thank you. Okay. So anyway, back to what I'm saying. So substance, what do you do? What do you create? It's one thing to be online and and all of that, uh, but it's another, what do you create? And if you say, well, Michelle, I don't create anything. Well, if you are a comedian, an inspirer, a motivator, if you you have helpful tips and useful things for people to do online, you are still a doer maker because you are creating well-being in others. And so that would be something that I would create, I would say, is substance as well. But if you are only on there and, uh, you know, online or in your life, you're not creating anything of long lasting goodness that is, uh, you know, say, for instance, you are a troll. You, There has never been a comment section that you couldn't refrain from trying to spoil or disrupt before you leave. You're also creating some type of substance, but it's not the one that you think you're creating. You have to look at everything you do. Everything you do, like check out yesterday's um, podcast and you'll see what I'm talking about, you know, where I talked about how success can kill you. And the gist of that is that whatever you do, Success is the consequence of it. So, success can be negative or positive. And if you're out there putting out a lot of foolishness online or however you act with people, so this is a little tirade I'm going to take, I'm going to try to take no more than a minute to go through. But I look at how many people that don't understand the consequences of having a constant diet of being gossipy and nosy in other people's lives online. And then they wonder why they feel so detached and isolated uh, in their own life. Well, when you spend that much time using your energy to dig into other people's lives, what do you expect? Okay, I'm done with that. And I managed to do it in 20 seconds. So let's get back on to what I'm saying. So substance, this is the essence and the quality of what you do and what you make. It is uh, tangible in a way that you can see the results of it or you can benefit from the fruits it bears. So make sure that the substance that you're creating has some longevity for good. And that means going back and evaluating everything you've been doing, okay? All right. Now, with substance also, one of the things is is you want to understand that uh, substance also has to do with what you create um and concentrate on. Like I talked about the gossipiness and all of that. If you concentrate on that, that becomes the subject and the underlying essence of who you are. So be careful about that. I'm not saying that you can't ever go and kiki with somebody and, you know, or whatever, because that is part of community. But when the diet of it becomes the main thing, that's your substance and that's what you live off of. It's kind of like that saying, the person who lives by the sword dies by the sword. If you live by the gossip, you die by the gossip. And one thing about gossip, gossip, turns people away from its subject so that people glare at it and make a mockery of it. And if you're feeling isolated, lonely, and lacking, it might be that you might want to look at what is your online diet consisting of, okay? So after that is sustainability. Now sustainability, I like how um, Killer Mike uh, talked. One, uh, I was listening to him. I don't listen to rap, but I do t- try to listen to thinkers. And he said something that was provocative. He was talking to a, a group of young people who were upset, and they wanted to have a uh, revolution. And I've talked about uh, this this group in uh, Zeitgeist battles. My podcast called Zeitgeist battles, and I've talked about how. Uh, what the revolutionists want, and he he did not dissuade them from being revolutionists. But what he did say was, he was like, if you cannot sustain yourself and take care of yourself when you reject the very foundations that you're railing against, you are not ready. And I was like, that is a wisdom smack upside the head if I ever heard of one. And so, of course, I went in and looked at sustainability. And usually, when people look at sustainability, they look at what is called durability as well, okay? And so when you're looking at durability, you have to look at things that are made to last. And I talked uh, in my podcast, Made to Last, about product obsolescence and um, how at at the turn of the 20th century, after we had won a few wars and had more money coming in, uh, that people uh, vendors and merchants wanted people to to re- have repeat buys on their stuff and so they started making it to last long I mean uh, less to to have it where uh it was made to fail and one of the things that I did note when I was looking at that is that the uh the proclamation and the need for people to have sustainability has gone the way of the dodo bird because we are in an impermanent society. We are in a disposable or a throwaway society. And that means that you can't know that the phone that you buy is only good for about two or three years, but then try to hold an idea that whatever you do needs to last for as long as possible. It creates a dissonance. It creates, um, uh uh it, it creates stress and worry. And yet and still those are still the same things that we need to do in our life. But all is not lost because if you want to have sustainability, what you do is you pick the things that you can have durability in that you can have a greater uh command over. Okay. So that brings me to the last part that I want to talk about. And these are going to be some wisdom smack action steps that you can start with or continue to maintain. So if you're already doing this, just let this be a confirmation. And if you're not, then start. Okay. So I'm going to repeat what we've had, and I'm going to use the last few minutes to talk about where to go from here. So if you suspect or you know that you're suffering from this 3L epidemic of lack, loss, and loneliness, what I want you to do is to first Understand, are you, uh, what's your locus of control? Is it internal or external? And what kind of blooded person are you? Cold blooded or hot blooded? Introvert, extrovert? Once you get a handle on that, then I want you to look at your life and truly look at it. Maybe even you get some input from someone else and you start to figure out what is the substance that I create and I produce? What do I do and I make? And if you need to tweak it, then tweak it, definitely. And I'm not, and you notice I'm not talking about what you do at your job. Because what you do at your do- job is for someone else. I'm talking about what you do for you in your life. Now, why do I get to count my books? Because my books are also fulfilling to me. And I just happen to be blessed to get paid for them as well. But those are my little darlings, my babies and all of that. Okay. All right. So once you've done all of that, uh, look at sustainability. And sustainability is something that is made to be durable. And it is something that you can sustain or should sustain for as long as possible, okay? And that leads me to this, and that is some of the quickest ways that you can look at uh, alleviating the heft and the toll of lack, loss, and loneliness is to look at these two areas of isolation. And uh, I'm, I'm using these because in uh, a, a lot of the external information that I've looked at on this... I've seen one or both of one or each one of each other or both of them looked at when when people talk about this, uh, this pervasive epidemic. All right. And those isolations are social and financial. So let me talk about the financial one first. Financial isolation. And remember, we said isolation means to be cut off and to die. Financial isolation is when you don't see how you're going to sustain your future. Maybe you don't think it's your income that's enough, or your bills supersede the amount of money you come in, you come into. One of the things I'm about to tell you not not one, but for sake of time, the biggest thing I'm about to tell you is almost going to sound counterintuitive, and that is if you're feeling isolated financially, start to find a way to save and or both invest. The fastest way I can say to do that these days and easiest is to get apps that help you do that. Now, there are two of them that I highly recommend right now, uh, and that is Stash and Acorn. And what they do is they help you to invest. And um, you want to do that because Even if you can only save a dollar a month, you know, if that's the only thing you can save, do it. Because what you're doing is energetically, you are telling all that is, the universe, God, however you you Allah, who I, how, however you want to say it, you're telling the universe that I believe I have a future. I believe I have a tomorrow because to save and to invest is to automatically say that I am I am denying self right now, so that self in the future will be able to be uh, taken care of, and that will help you to start to cut the the cores that are dragging you down of isolation. All right. And then the next one is social. So when you're looking at social isolation, what I want you to do is instead of uh, feeling like you don't belong, I want you to engage. And when I say engage, don't go out there and troll people. Do not do that. My grandmother used to say, leave things better than you found them. And this was part of social engagement. that I didn't understand at that point to this to this length, but I do it to this day. And that was like when we would go in a public restroom and you wash your hands. Usually that sink area is wet and everything. And my grandmother would say it takes only a few more seconds to grab a few paper towels and wipe down the area where you are before you leave. And I do that. And there have been many times that people have observed me do it and they'll start doing it too. Or I have had people like attendants in the restrooms, in the airports, come up and thank me and say, thank you so much. People don't understand how much that helps everyone when you do that, because we can't always get to it. And I was like, that is how you start to weave away at the isolation. Most people believe that if you're socially isolated, you need to just become this huge influencer and this huge star. And you don't, because if you really knew what a star was, I don't think you would be trying to be one. Just quickly, a star, when you look at the mechanics of a star, a star this purpose is to br- uh, burn so hot and bright that it pushes all that energy out to everyone else and it's cold inside. So you don't necessarily want to be constantly living a life for the purpose of burning yourself out. You just don't want that. Trust me. Okay. So with this social isolation, start to look for ways to leave people better than you found them. If you're interacting online, be useful. And when I say useful, the difference between, cause I was asked this, the difference between being helpful and useful is helpful is usually an unsolicited opinion. Useful is usually something that if people see it, they can choose to take it. But usually if they take what you're putting out, it's going to help them. And uh, in a, in a great way. And that is, if you know how to do something, tell people how to do it in a succinct way that helps them. You can easily do it in one, two threes or bullet points uh, and do it without expecting anything in return. And so that's a way to be uh, able to immediately attack the social isolation because you know what will happen? You'll start to get people saying thank you and you won't Feel like you're you're searching for a temporary like that only hits your uh, addictive need to be seen and appreciated. And I'm not saying that that's what we do, but that's how they set it up for us to feel. So you won't feel like just getting some likes is going to hit that temporary uh, feeling. Of uh of of dopamine hits and, and feeling good about yourself. Instead, you'll have something that is there. I mean, there are things that I have left on different social mediums that uh platforms that I get dinged for that people like that I've written five years ago. Thank you. This was so useful. This is so helpful, thank you so much. And I just smile because. I know that I'm not socially isolated. I know that no matter how long I spend in my cave writing my novel, when I come out of it, I am socially viable and active. And that is why I have the solid friends and family that I do, because I have understood that I need to tell the universe that I'm interested in having a life by saving and investing. And I tell the universe that I'm interested in being social by being useful and willing to interact with people, no matter where I am on my cold, hot, introvert, extrovert, or locus of control. So guess what? Yep, my time is up. This has been Michelle Spivey, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom. Thank you so much. Please check the show notes for how to support us. And I'm going to see you tomorrow. Thank you, loves. Bye.